another episode of this is not a podcast for dummies with your girl black wine and charlie all right guys we're going to jump into our dumb moment of the week and our dumb moment of the week is always brought to you by www.blackwine.com that's b-l-a-c-k-w-y-n-e.com all right our dumb moment of the week we're going to talk about the victoria secret karen Ooh. Mm. now that's an Academy Award performance, there, baby. Listen, when this, when it, when I first saw the video, um, so many emotions went through my head. Like so many things went through my head. It, it was hilarious to me at first. At first, it was just tremendously hilarious. Um, the 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 white girl in the in the line telling the mm. telling the one recording, not to to stop recording mm-hmm. as if she was doing something wrong. So that threw me, that was that threw me for a loop. But then when I really sat back and I thought about um, what this white woman did mm-hmm. by weaponizing her performance, by weaponizing her tears, and then to see what the black woman had to endure once the cops showed up, mm-hmm. um, them basically treating her like she was the problem, mm-hmm. like she was the antagonizer. Um, it took me back to you know Emmett Till. Mm. It took me back to all the lynchings um i'm currently reading a book called the color of law which is is a traumatizing book because it tell it shows it shows you how the government um you know pushed certain laws and and discriminatory practices that result in how we live today Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this is just a manifestation of that to me like her behavior was a is a manifestation of all the men who got lynched because a white woman said he looked at her wrong. Um, all the the men who got lynched because she was fucking a black dude willingly, mm-hmm. and somebody found out. My favorite book, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, you get what I mean. Somebody found out, and now she she yelling rape. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it as funny as it was to watch this white woman have a kindergarten tantrum, it still it rang so true, so deep. So deep, so deep. When I really sat back and thought about this, is that's a weapon. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody pulling out a gun on you. Yeah, that's exactly so. what she did, and she continued. And for me, it was the theatrics of it all. It was like once she threw that shirt on the counter, that was action. That was that action, and the director and the camera was on, and she was going and. She chased this lady around the store while yelling, "Get her away from me!" But you're chasing the lady again. It is. It's a. It's a spectacle. It was a spectacle. So you know, like with most spectacles, you laugh and you you kiki, but then when you really sit back and think about how white women are weaponizing their tears, white women are weaponizing their behavior against black bodies, um, it goes to show you how entrenched racism is that a white woman will cry wolf and then turn around and make it seem like you're the you're the aggressor you're the problem you're the threat when she's sitting there using her tears like a gun basically like a gun like she was the aggressor yes and nobody came to this lady's rescue like y'all literally watched this lady just forget the black and whiteness of it all Let's talk from the human perspective. You watch one human being go and attack another human being. 
and then proceeded to act as if she was the one who had been victimized and no one came to her defense. Yeah. No yeah. one came to her defense. I and did. that bothered me. You watched this. You were first hand witness and you all watched this and you did not come to her defense. And the thing about it is we have to put the color aspect in it. Because yeah. Because if it was if it, it was reversed, if it was a black woman that was chasing a white woman around the store oh. threatening to, to hit her, you know, she would have got tackled. She would have gotten tackled to the ground. A citizen's arrest would have been made. They would have had their knee on her neck. Trust me, she wouldn't gonna get far chasing that white lady around that store. So as much as it is a it's a ha ha moment to look at this clown fall drop herself to the to the ground. That clown still I'm, has more power in her tears than we do. In the eyes of the law. And nothing about that was a ha-ha moment for me. What it did for me was create fear. Yeah. It creates fear that one day it can happen to me as a black woman. As I go out in the world minding my own business. And that one day a white lady's going to use her tears against me. Mm-hmm. To criminalize me. Listen. If you're going to call the police and criminalize me, bitch, I'm going to get something out of it. You're going to get knocked the fuck out. You're going to be crying for real. You're going to cry for... There's going to be real tears. There's going to be real tears. I say this now. Make it worth your while. Yeah, make it worth my while. Make it worth my while. while. And, and trust me, I ain't going to be there long enough for the police to come. So I'm going to knock your ass out and I'm going to leave. And that's going to be that. <laughs> so All right. <laughs> so we're going to move on to our um, main topic. that Our That's So Dumb topic. And our That's So Dumb. We think it's so dumb. Um... Like piggybacking off of the Victoria's Secret Karen thing. Um, we think it's so dumb that society as a whole, specifically the healthcare industry, mm-hmm. um, is not listening to black women about their health. So go ahead and um, launch our, our topic. Charlie. So our topic today um, is inspired by uh, what I call one of my internet sisters. Shantae Burkett, she's an influencer on Instagram. And she shared her story about how she had a 13 pound ovarian cyst growing in her body. She had visited her doctor three different times for the same pain and she was dismissed. Her pain was dismissed. And it wasn't until that she went somewhere else for a second opinion that they found the cyst. It's crazy to me that black women are not heard or seen in the medical field. And we have to constantly be seeking second opinions or, you know, um, personally for me, I make sure all my doctors are black. If I have a choice in who's going to be servicing me medically, I choose black doctors. My primary care physician is black. My cardiologist is black. My dermatologist is black. Any of my specialty doctors, if I have a choice, I look for black doctors. And it's especially hard to find them here in South Florida because there aren't a lot of them. Mm. There aren't a lot of black doctors here. So I know it's a struggle for us black people to find doctors who are catering to us. I cannot stress this enough. Our, we are dying 
astronomical numbers compared to our white counterparts because doctors are not listening to us. They're not taking us seriously. They're not taking our pain seriously. So this is a this America is one of, if not the richest country on this planet. Mm. Um, and as the richest country on this planet, um, offering so-called quote unquote the best health care, um, on average, seven to nine hundred black women die per year giving birth, giving birth to, to, to a child. Um, about five hundred thousand. That's half a million. Half a million black women have life-threatening emergencies at the hands of healthcare. Mm -hmm. And you don't see these numbers when it comes to any race, any other race of women, okay? You don't see these numbers. Um, and part of the reason why I believe that, you know, the healthcare is failing us is because, um, like Charlie said, we don't have enough black doctors. Um, traditional obstetrics, traditional gynecology, traditional uh, health surgery was practiced on black people. So the notion that this health industry um, is going to view us in a compassionate light when we were their guinea pigs, mm -hmm. we were their test dummies. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no way that, a his a, and history breeds, breeds, um, what is it called? History breeds, like like how people behave. Yeah. Okay. That how how we like a lot of people want to believe that. Oh, we're, we we are these autonomous people. We we are this. We we're just this autonomous society. We come out and we become who we want to become, and that's not how civilization works. You are socialized to become who you are. Mm -hmm. You are indoctrinated to become who you are. Okay. Those of you who believe in God. You believe in God because somebody told you to believe in God. Those of, those of you who believe you're better than others, you're you believe you're better because somebody told you that you were better. So we're not we don't we're not just born and we just become these people. We are socialized to become who we are. We are socialized with the insecurities that we have. And so in medicine, um, these doctors were socialized to believe that black women can take pain more than white women. Um, that black women are these strong, big bucks that can take anything. Mm -hmm. um, black women don't need uh, pain medication. This is why the opioid crisis, crisis is not, not hit the black no, community like it's not hit affecting the white community. Us. The opioid crisis, oxytocin, per, uh, Percocet, and all of that. You, you ain't getting. You're not getting prescribed that on first on first go as a black person. And so that's why the opioid opioid crisis is not hitting us like that. And thank God for that. Okay? I mean, because they already gave us crack. Yes, they gave us crack, but thank they God need to for give that. Us opioids. Yes. So that that is like what a a, a positive a bless, consequence, a blessing in disguise, a, a positive consequence mm -hmm. um, of the of racism. But uh, on the other hand, we're still dying at a at a faster and higher rate than any other race. Our babies mm. are dying at a faster and higher uh, uh, rate than anybody else. And so I say that just to say this. The numbers don't lie, okay? I am a statistics junkie. I love science, right? I have mm -hmm. a degree in science. Um, my background is science, so I love science. And so, and I've always learned in science, the proof is in the pudding. The evidence is out there. 
So if you have a sect of women that you're offering, you're offering the same health care to everyone, right? But you have a sect of women that are dying and are placed in life-threatening um, um, situations at eight to, and nine times higher than any other race of women, what is the problem? It's not our bodies. Our bodies function the same way mm -hmm. as any other body. So what is what is the problem? And and so the problem to me is that the healthcare industry does not have enough black people. The black people that are there are also socialized to believe some of these myths. Um, the the strong black woman trope is harming us in so many different areas of our life. Okay, so just like the Karen situation, she's a strong black woman. Uh, she you know. We, she should have backed down. She should have stopped filming. Oh, she should have just walked away. Why? Why should she have done that? Why? Because you believe that she's the bigger person. Mm -hmm. You believe she's the stronger person. You believe this weak white woman is, she's weak and, oh, don't pay attention to her. So the strong black woman trope is not only affecting us on the streets, it's affecting us in the hospitals. Okay, it's a manifestation of white supremacy and racism. Okay, that's all that is. Us dying like this, us being being, you know, treated, our babies dying at a higher rate, the morbidity morbidity and mortality rate of young black kids. It's ridiculous. Okay? So it's just a manifestation of white supremacy and racism. And number one is they don't see us as vulnerable. Okay? Mm -hmm. We're not their sisters, we're not their aunts, we're not their mothers they cannot empathize with us okay so when they see a white woman laying there they don't see just some stranger laying there they see their aunt they see their sister they see their mother they see themselves they see themselves okay and for us we need more black representation in healthcare so that we are able to say i feel this pain and the doctor rushes to get every test done to ensure that there is nothing wrong like Charlie, my primary physician is black. My OBGYN is black. Any doctor that I see, I try to make them black. My my um therapist is black. black. Okay? You cannot relate to me in a way that will allow you to empathize with me unless you experience my life. Okay? Unless you understand what it is to be black in America and what it is to have all of the, the oppression and, and the socialization that you're less than, you can't understand that unless you are black. And so I try, like Charlie, I try to make sure that every you know, healthcare provider that I see is black. Now, do I get it 100% of the time? No. But my primary, for damn sure, she's black and she's a woman. Okay, because she's going to be like, uh, uh, that's not normal because I don't have that pain. I don't I don't have that situation when I have my cycle. It doesn't work like that. So one of the ways that we can advocate for, for ourselves, we can be proactive about this is ensuring that we at least get someone who can relate to um, what we're going through. Mm -hmm. um, instead of if you cannot find a black OBGYN, get, make sure she's a woman. Okay. At the very least. At the very least. Because she can at least relate to you on that level. Okay? Um, if you can't find a black primary, uh, make sure you get somebody of color. Mm -hmm. Make make it be Indian. Make somebody somebody who understands the plight 
Okay, somebody. And and also, if at any point you feel your doctor is not listening to you, please don't continue to go to them. Mm-hmm. Find someone who's listening to you. Find someone who is going to hear you, who's going to see you. Even if they're not a person of color or a black person, you need to find that person who is going to listen to you, to take the time to hear what you are saying is wrong with your body. Because nobody knows your body better than you. But when something new is happening in your body and you're going to the doctor with concern, you need to know that this person who's going to be taking care of you is going to listen to you and not be dismissive. Mm-hmm. And doctors shouldn't be dismissive at, at all. all. Even even if I have like a, even if you know I'm faking it, even if you know like my OBGYN, I- anytime I ask for ex, uh, uh, ultrasound, I'd be like, oh my, this side hurts. He'd be like, let's do an ultrasound. He does not hesitate. Why? Because he's going to get paid for that ultrasound. I don't understand why Why are you, you both, you you hogging the, the machines. You're going to get paid. My, I have insurance. It's not like I'm, I'm self-paid. Like, I can understand if I was self-paid. I didn't have insurance. I didn't have this. Yes, th- that is a different issue. We're not talking about the people who don't have insurance and they're dealing with um, um, health issues. We're talking about the people who are insured. That you know you're going to get paid. So what is it to have that extra ultrasound? What is it to do that extra? What is it for you to... to do pres- some run, yeah. blood, some run, t- run and, some blood tests. And sometimes, to be fair, it's not always them. You know, they may order stuff and the insurance company says no, whatever the case is. But that's a different case. I'm but they need to tell you that. Yeah, they do. And they then you can have a conversation with, with the insurance, insurance company. company. But in the event that that's not what's happening, where your doctor's just saying... Um, in this case, where the doctor was just telling her, oh, it's because you're overweight. This happens a lot to people who are obese or overweight, who has to, they're, they blame everything on you being overweight, on being fat. And that's not always the case. Okay, so let me pause, let me pause what you're saying right there. BMI is based on white women, mm-hmm. okay? So black women and women of color, we tend to be heavier Mm-hmm. Even when we're fit, mm-hmm. even when we're when we're super duper fit, slim, trim, look like a million bucks, we tend to have a higher BMI than white women because of our body structure. No, there's no such thing as being big boned. There's no such thing. But the butt is a muscle. Okay, we have bigger butts. We have bigger hips. We have wider frames. So we tend to have a higher BMI. Then let's say little Becky, you know, mm-hmm. on the block with the little flat ass. Okay. And so they base, again, that's another manifestation of racism. white supremacy mm-hmm. and racism. Okay. So BMIs are not based on black women. They're not based on our body type. They're not based on that formula was not created or based on a black woman. It was based on the the average white man and the average white woman. And so you're, you're, you're giving a health indicator that, that doesn't even really pertain to me. And so now I'm considered obese when I'm 150 pounds and maybe 50 or 60 of, of those pounds is muscle weight. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm considered obese and now you're blaming everything that's wrong inside my body on me being obese when I'm not obese. But go ahead, Charlie. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's perfect You know, explanation on what's going on. So 
as I was saying is that we just need to be proactive in who's going to be taking care of us medically and we also need to be advocating when we see that our medical professions who are taking care of us are being dismissive in our care yes and so like with with um obstetrics having a baby and stuff like that one of the ways that you can advocate for yourself is by having a doula Mm -hmm. okay so having a doula in the room with you for example when um i was giving birth to my my first child i had a birth plan i didn't have a doula but i had a birth plan and i remember the nurse was like laughed she laughed at in my face when i showed her my birth plan and she was like oh you that's not that's not how things work the the baby comes when they want to come excuse me i should still be able to say i don't want you sticking your finger inside me 52 times in the mm-hmm. day right and part of the reason and i had complications I, i'm again i had life threatening i had to sign a dnr um you know had to had to make decisions of whether i i was going to live or my child was going to live um, because I had a life-threatening situation. And I, you know, with my science background, um, I kind of understood you shouldn't be sticking your finger in me 52 times to check my cervix, okay? There are other indicators. There are, other, there are machines attached to every part of my body. There are other indicators that will tell you that I'm having a contraction. It'll tell you that the baby is ready to come. It'll tell you, okay? I can tell you. I can, I can, te- I can tell you how I'm feeling for you to see, oh, she, she's about ready. But this woman kept, this nurse kept just jabbing. I'm talking about jabbing Mm. her hand up my crotch. And, you know, there's bacteria in the room. There's bacteria on, on, on the gloves. There's bacteria in the air. And what ended up happening? My amniotic fluid got contaminated. Mm. My amniotic fluid, bacteria was introduced into my amniotic fluid. Baby is swallowing um, contaminated amniotic fluid. Now I have 104 fever and so on and so on. So part of part of it is this, this notion that we don't know how to, women don't know how to advocate for themselves, black, especially black women. You need to advocate for yourself. So if you are someone who is about to have a baby, you are someone who is um, dealing with that situation Uh, where you're about to bring life into the world one of the ways that you can advocate for yourself is getting a doula having somebody that's that that is medically um either medically licensed or medically knowledgeable to to check the doctors for you and to check the nurses for you because sometimes it'd be the nurses too Mm -hmm. oh yeah Um, the nurses be out of line all the time yes so um having someone in the room that is medically knowledgeable to to be able to check them for you because they'll tell you things and a lot of nurses, and I know a lot of nurses, and they're, they're lovely people, mm-hmm. but a lot of nurses and doctors um, have a complex about, oh, they're above you. Yeah, you're, you're they just, know better. They than know you. better than you. No, nobody knows better than you than you because you're the one that's experiencing the pain. Nobody knows better than you that, because you're the one that exists with your body day in and day out. So one of the ways that you can advocate for yourself is, you know, get you a doula, and have her have her check a motherfucker for you. Go ahead, Charlie. Be knowledgeable. Also, do your research. I mean, don't go out there on WebMD and diagnose yourself. Don't do that. But if you're having a baby, you know, and it's your first baby, talk to people who've had babies. Ask them questions. You know, 
um, be, find out about all your options. Go yeah. and visit. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to just show up to the hospital and have to wait. No, like, understand the complications that can happen while you are pregnant, um, when it's time for labor and delivery. Like, there are a lot of complications. Like, you're really at risk of losing your life when you have a baby. So, become knowledgeable about the process. Ask questions. And if you're asking your doctor questions and he's being dismissive or she's being dismissive or they don't want to answer or they say, oh, don't worry about that. That's the first sign that you need to change doctors mm -hmm. because a good doctor educates their patients. Yes. yes. A good doctor educates their patients. A good doctor shares options with their patients. Yeah. They put the power in, in their hand. patient's hand. Mm -hmm. That's what a good doctor does. Like um, with my second, I, I had also had complications with my second baby. Um, that's why I will never drop another seed. No, 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 no more babies for me. Um, but I had complications with my second baby. And because I was so informed from my first pregnancy, right? Because I went through that life-threatening situation. When that second doctor started dismissing me, I was 32 weeks pregnant. And I was like, I need to find me another doctor. Now, mind you, that's not how it works with obstetrics. You are stuck with that doctor. You are stuck with that doctor because insurance is paying out. You haven't paid a copay yet. And insurance has been paying those things for you. So insurance tends to frown on you switching doctors mm -hmm. that far into the game. And I didn't care. I was like, I'll let this sucker go on my, my um, credit before I sit another day in this doctor's office. Right? Because he kept dismissing me. He kept trying to force a vaccine on me. Mm. Right? He wanted me to take, I forgot what, the H HPV, HPV va vaccine. vaccine. And I'm like, I'm pregnant. I don't want to take a vaccine. I don't want my child exposed to anything. And he he was just relentless about it. And I was trying to have a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, so... I needed a doctor who was knowledgeable about VBACs. I needed a doctor who understood the consequences and about with VBACs. And he was just like, yeah, 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 I can do it. It's not a big deal. Um, excuse me? Excuse, it's not a big deal. Oh, you got to go, buddy. You got to go. And so that's what I mean by advocating for yourself. It's understanding, like Charlie said, being knowledgeable mm -hmm. of your own body, being knowledgeable about what you're going to be going through being knowledgeable about um, the process, go online. Everything is on Google, mm -hmm. okay? The world is at your fingertips. Everything is going on Google. Just Google, what questions should I ask my doctor on my first visit? And make a list of questions that you're going to ask the doctor and, and look at how, how they respond. Are they knowledgeable? Are they dismissing you? Are they saying they're, they're, they're not aware of something? How, how are you not aware of the latest? Every doctor should be up on the latest uh, technology. So being an advocate for yourself, ladies, we really need to start taking care of us. There are no, and this saddens me so much. And I think this is, again, um, one of the issues, and we can have a conversation about this, mm -hmm. is that there is no industry where black people lead. Mm-mm. No industry where black people lead. We don't have hospitals. We don't have schools. We have universities, but the, our universities are heavily funded by the federal government mm -hmm. and would fall in a pit if the federal government wasn't giving us money. 
Um, we don't we don't run entertainment. So there is no industry where we have the power. And so because we don't have the power, we fall at the hands of white supremacists. We fall at the hands of bias against blacks. We fall at the hands of, of, of racial discrimination and white privilege. And so you must be an advocate for yourself. You must, must, must educate yourself. Um, anything else you want to add, Charlie? No. It's, I just really want to, first, you know, I want to tell Shantae, thank you for sharing her story because she didn't have to share, but I think it was so important that she shared that story on Instagram and that, you know, the world can now see the importance of advocating for yourself. I mean, it's, it's so important and I just don't be afraid to speak up. Yeah. Don't be afraid because the medical people will intimidate you. They will try yeah. to intimidate you yeah, and make you feel like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about or you're making things up. Don't allow that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it has nothing to do with being rich because look at Serena. Look at the judge's daughter. Mm -hmm. Judge Hatchet. The judge Hatchet's daughter. Died in, died in childbirth. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with money. It really has nothing to do mm -mm. with money, okay? So, again, money just makes it a lot easier, but it has nothing to do with money because we, the rich, the rich black women are dying. Rich black babies are dying. Rich white, black women are having um, life-threatening issues. I, I know so many black women who had life-threatening issues at, while giving birth. Mm -hmm. I know so many babies that were born preemie compared to our white counterparts because they don't offer a uh, bed rest for us mm -hmm. they don't tell us to go on bed rest nope. but a white woman has a little twinge and she gotta go on bed rest they don't offer bed rest to us so please 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 advocate for yourself um make sure you are knowledgeable make sure you are out there getting the information that you need um why are so many black women getting diagnosed with breast cancer at stage three Three and four, mm -hmm. metastatic breast cancer. When, you know, you, you could have gotten diagnosed at stage one. They saw something on the on the ultrasound or they saw something on the mammogram. Oh, it, it's nothing. So please, please, please get your second opinions. Mm -hmm. um, make sure your doctor is knowledgeable. Interview your doctor. Yeah. Interview your doctor. Make sure. Find out. Google them. Find out. Go, go read reviews on them. We read reviews on restaurants. Read a review on your doctor, okay? Find out how many women have died under his care because you can find that out. That's public information. So please do your homework, ladies, so that we are thriving in this world that doesn't love us. All right, so with that, we're going to move on to our Dating for Dummies segment. Yes. And this is Charlie's favorite, favorite segment. <laughs> And our Dating for Dummies segment is always focused on um, frugal, economical dates that don't put a price on the pussy. <laughs> and they're creative. Yes. So the, our first Dating for Dummies uh, date is um, a photography walk. So basically what you would do on this date is you guys would both go on... You know a walk it could be in the park it could be on the beach it could be anywhere and you guys just take 
pictures of different things you could take pictures of each other you could take pictures of things that are around and then like at the end you guys kind of sit down and share the pictures with each other and why you took it and why it was meaningful to you okay that's a cute date um my dating for dummies is kayaking all right um kayaking is really really super fun um and then there are certain places that have the clear bottom kayaks mm. So you can see through to the water and you guys can go out there, um, kayak out into the middle of the lake or middle of the, uh, the bay because it's usually like a bay that they do it in mm -hmm. um, and just talk. Um, look at the fish. You can even go snorkeling if you want to tie the kayak down and go snorkeling. Um, but I think that's a fun, cheap date that doesn't put a price on the pussy. All right, so we have come to the end of this episode. Thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we love you and we will see. I will say see. <laughs> That's fine. We we'll will holler at y'all later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.